0: you know that Bitcoin uses as much energy as some entire countries? Bitcoin has a massive network of miners called ASICs that require a lot of energy to mine and secure the Bitcoin network. So for Bitcoin to be successful, it's critical to have access to cheap and reliable energy. That's why miners are moving in flocks to Texas and running their mining operations off of natural gas wells, wind turbines, solar farms, and on-grid applications. But up to now, there hasn't been a place for Bitcoin miners and energy producers to connect with each other. That's why Digital Wildcatters is bringing everyone to the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas, for two days of network and learning at the premier mining event and power. maybe you're an experienced miner or energy producer that's looking for partnerships or maybe you're new to the space and you want to learn and get your foot in the door there's going to be content and opportunities for people from all different backgrounds march 30th the 31st houston texas empower get more information at DigitalWalkHeaders.com.
1: Okay, here's the problem. I can't, like, start a podcast with you without the uh, BDE music. Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> we need some intro Yeah, we clips. need some music to, to <laughs> intro it with.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. Um, we're doing something cool here at Digital Wildcatters. We're doing the Empower Conference later at the end of the month, and it's Bitcoin mining meeting the energy business. I've just gotten a lot of questions about it from folks, you know, what does this mean? What's it all about? So I thought I would have the creator of the conference on the podcast, Colin McClellan, CEO of Digital Wildcatters, just so we could talk about it to clear it up, what it's all about, and the and the like. So, Colin, welcome on. Yeah. I feel, uh,
0: one, we got a lot of space here in between us. It's kind of nice. Yeah. I'm sort of liking it. <laughs> you like the space. Huh? Yeah. So I think that uh, – You know, Chuck, you and I have had a lot of conversations on Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining over, what, the last year or so, and it's a really fascinating topic, and I really like the discussions that you and I have because we come about it from two different angles, right? Obviously, your background in private equity and investment banking, and then my background from a technological perspective, I think that you and I been a pretty good, uh, team in terms of bringing the whole picture together. And, you know, within power, we saw a need in the market because we saw a lot of oil and gas guys and energy guys getting into Bitcoin mining, especially over really the last six months or so, you know, it's pretty recent. And there's been a lot of people, um, talking about it and working on it since 2017 saying, Hey, how can we take wasted flared gas out in the Permian basin? And, Create some economic value from that. And they started turning to Bitcoin mining. And so essentially, they're able to take this product that had no value and convert it into electricity and then mine Bitcoin and turn it into hash rate. So you started seeing a lot of this. And I think in the downturn, you know, let's call it 2020 and then 2021, people really started looking at how can they extract more value from their asset when you have low commodity prices. And so I think that it's kind of been this. Um, It's kind of this perfect storm of different external factors that have contributed to Bitcoin mining becoming a very big thing in the energy industry. And one was you had depressed commodity prices, but then you also had a run up in Bitcoin, too. You know, over the last year, Bitcoin went up to 60,000 plus dollars. And so I think those two things combined got a lot of people talking about it. And there just wasn't a place for energy companies and Bitcoin miners to get together. I remember, you know, eight months ago, I think it was roughly eight months ago when there was an annexation of Bitcoin miners in China and they're all getting run out. I was taking some Chinese miners to natural gas sites up in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so pretty stark contrast between cultures. You had these Chinese guys <laughs> with their Binance crypto uh, backpacks. And then on the other side of the table, eating lunch, you had all the Oklahoma boys from EFT, all my redneck friends that are oil and gas. And I was like, man, this is a reality show that we're we're shooting here. But that's the reality is that you have two worlds colliding and there's never been a place for these people to get together. So that's why we decided to build Empower and really make it the go-to mining event that's focused on energy. So
1: I'm going to say this punchy, like in 30 seconds, but it took me about a year to figure out all these pieces. You know, being a board member of an oil and gas company, this was lost on me. But one of the core competencies of an oil and gas company is quite simply, whenever you have a well, you have to go access the cheapest source of power you can, right? I mean, duh. Well, when it comes to Bitcoin mining, I think the second point that it took me maybe six months to figure out is, and I don't mean to disparage any Bitcoin miner out there, but at the end of the day, a semi-smart engineer at an oil and gas company in two weeks can figure out how to go mine. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's just plugging in computers, but to some degree it's no, plugging in computers. There's definitely
0: nuance to that. I mean, there there's um, things that you learn and experiences you get with mining Bitcoin at a commercial scale, but you're exactly right. Oil and gas infrastructure and operations are 10x harder than Bitcoin mining. And so it's natural, you know, you look at, Ryan and Justin up at uh, J Energy in Wyoming, I mean, they were oil and gas guys. They partnered up with a Bitcoin miner, I believe, back in 2018 because they had some stranded gas on an asset. Yeah, they they were out in the
1: Powdered River Basin, and they couldn't flare because the government wouldn't let them. Yeah, and so
0: they had to figure out something, and so they partnered up with another miner, and they sold their gas to that miner. And once they started seeing it, they're like, shit, we can— do this ourselves, started seeing the (laughs) economic return and like, Hey, why don't we become Bitcoin miners? And so they became Bitcoin miners that just happened to know, um, have knowledge on operating oil and gas assets. And I think that that's, what's really cool about what we're seeing is that you're seeing a bunch of energy guys turning into Bitcoin miners. And so it's Bitcoin mining first energy production. Second, you know, they happen to have that intrinsic knowledge and intimate knowledge of, um, producing energy and operating those assets but yeah i mean look oil and gas guys are really good at finding cheapest source of energy and i think that you've always put up a pretty good point of you know you tell you have an analogy if, if you were to take a shale map and put it down and then <laughs> later over a bitcoin mining map it almost overlays perfectly with uh with the shale place
1: yeah, no, because it was the third aha moment of kind of figuring out Bitcoin mining was: you have a BTU when you produce natural gas, let's say, and you run it through the processing plant, and every day you make the decision, do I strip out the liquids, um, do I sell the ethane separately, or do I just sell the BTUs down the pipe? That is second nature to an oil and gas company, something they do every day. The same should be true as mining. Because it's actually even somewhat better in that you buy your miners. That's your CapEx, right? And at the end of the day, the life of your miner is based on how much you use it, right? Mm -hmm. Heat is the thing that destroys the miner. And so if they have a four- to five-year life, if you're not using it, you're not destroying it. And you just run the BTU through there and you say, if I convert this to power and I mine then should I do that? Is that economically better than just selling the BTU down the
0: pipeline? And that leads to, you know, you can get paid that night if you convert it to Bitcoin. So if right? I say instant settlement too. You're not waiting on net ninety payments or whatever you know payment terms may be on your gas or NGLs. And so it's actually instant settlement the second you you settle it. So or sell it.
1: And the the second thing and dirty little secret of ESG that maybe we shouldn't share with the world, but you throw things in a pipeline, that's actually worse than handling it it at the site, mm-hmm. generally speaking, when you think through emissions and the and the like. And so being able to mine on site is actually good from that point of view. And so I've always sat here and whenever I have this discussion with my private equity friends, you know, a year ago, they're like, huh, what are you talking about? Nine months ago. Well, maybe if we had some flared gas, but we don't have flared gas and i always used to say no it's a btu decide what you want to do with it last 3 or 4 months has been interesting and in folks have saying hey will you tell me about that again you know <laughs> cuz i mean at the end of the day i think you're you're right that we're ultimately all the energy companies i mean even midstream companies should offer that
0: you know I they think offer- midstream companies should be the ones that are really looking at it because you're the ones that are gathering all the gas, right? And so you you can literally build these mines right off of a pipeline. Um, And I think one thing is, one, you and I know that there's a lot of capital coming into the space. Institutions are thinking about not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies as a whole. You know, how do they play in that space? How do they um, get it on their balance sheet? But when you look at Bitcoin mining, it's almost comical how similar it is to oil and gas extraction. I mean, you have an underlying commodity. So whether that's oil and gas or whether that's Bitcoin- You love a little
1: volatility with oil and natural gas? (laughs) We got volatility for you, baby.
0: So we're talking about the two most volatile uh, products in the world right now, oil and gas and and Bitcoin, but it really is a manufacturing process, right? I mean, you're saying, okay, we can mine and extract uh, Bitcoin at- you know twenty thousand dollars of bitcoin that's marginal cost and then okay if bitcoin's forty thousand sixty thousand that's how much economic value there is if you're actually selling it on the market um and then to go, you
1: towards of you the go towards payback yeah to go towards payback
0: to your capex and then now you have hedging products so you know as you and i talk about a lot there's six months worth of uh cme futures available so you have some liquidity now starting to build yeah, up you,
1: you can trade the next six months. And the next two December's. There you go. So yeah. we're we're sitting here in March. So you're able to trade April, May, June, July, August, September, and then December this year,
0: and December the next
1: year. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of liquidity out, but yeah, but at
0: least some, some. Yeah, yeah and I think one when you look at oil and gas people, I think oil and gas industry is one of the most capitalistic industries out there. Right. And when you start presenting it as a numbers thing, you know, you don't really need to understand underlying, um, principles of Bitcoin or why Bitcoin's important. I think you do, like you do, you should, but technically you don't. All you need to know is, Hey, we have X amount of dollars that we're spending on CapEx. We're going to have these miners out here. Here's what our OpEx is going to be. We can lock in prices, do whatever we need to do on the side of hedging and boom, we can we can make a profit over, um, you know, two years, whatever that number may be. It's really easy numbers game. But I think that you're actually starting to have a lot of people understand Bitcoin a little bit more. If nothing else, they understand that, Hey, this isn't a fed, you know, it's not a gimmick on Twitter. You know, about a year ago, I'd still have people been like, Oh really? We're going to waste energy on a fake currency. And my response is it's a trillion dollar asset class.
1: How's that, right. how's that fake?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, would love to be that
1: fake. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And it's only gonna, going to grow uh, because of network effects and supply and demand. I mean, very basic economic principles. But you know, I think one thing that I've had a lot of people have been skeptical of Bitcoin and trying to understand what it is. And I think a lot of people think about Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. And you and I have had this discussion a lot. Either think about it as a cryptocurrency cu- or a store of value, you know, maybe like, like digital
1: gold. And that's like me on my cell phone paying my AT and T bill with it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Kind or of are you the like you know, I've
0: got this bottle of water here? You know, you yeah. want to buy this bottle of water yeah. from me, and um, so that's how a lot of people think about it. And it really hasn't been how Bitcoin's been used. But here's how I think about Bitcoin: is that Bitcoin. The Bitcoin protocol.
1: Well, hold on one second before you do that. Cause I think there are two things before you get to your point. One, cryptocurrency. Then two, there's a slightly related but different element of storer of value. Yeah. Meaning, you know, there are only going to be 21 million Bitcoins, just like gold, I mean, that really had no utility other than it marginally look attractive on the queen's neck. Yeah. Gold was our storer of value because there was a limited amount. And we all agreed, okay. We can uh we can represent this much value by this many ounces of gold. There is a thought that Bitcoin, at least early on, would be a store of value because there will only be 21 million
0: of them. Yeah, I mean, gold historically has been used as a store of value, like you said, limited supply. But what is the number of that supply? No one knows how much gold is on the earth, right? We know how much Bitcoin exists. That's 21 million. It'll never be more than that and 90 percent of it is already mined and in circulation and so i guess you know to that point if someone's not familiar with bitcoin and how the process works should have actually got our bitcoin our miner there and brought it here for for video so people could see on camera we're like real what bitcoin it, yeah <laughs> i feel legit now <laughs> Um, I will
1: admit we were kind of scared to open that around the digital wildcatters offices. This box shows up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just could be a bomb. Is it
1: ticking? Could be a bomb. (laughs) Is Alberta? Uh, Did did it come from from Canada or Denver?
0: plenty of people that will send bombs to digital wildcatters. Um, But you have what are called ASICs. And all of these are, these ASICs, they're just computers that were designed to mine Bitcoin. That's all they do. So just like you have CPUs, you have GPUs, you have ASICs. And, you know, the couple of popular ones are, you know, bitmains. Um, you have S19s and what's miners. And anyways, these miners are continuously hashing. They're sitting there computing. And what they're doing is they're working and they're consuming energy. It's a proof of work. And they're sitting there trying to solve this puzzle. And when they solve the puzzle they unlock a block and they're rewarded that Bitcoin. So, you know, Chuck, if you and I had two miners, I have one plugged in, you have one plugged in, they're just sitting there consuming electricity and working to uh, discover that block and be rewarded Bitcoin. And, you know, you can get into pools and how those things work, but ultimately that's that's how mining works. And they also verify transactions on the ledger. So if I send a Bitcoin to you, it has to go through the network. The network approves it. It adds it to the to the ledger and that ledger is immutable. It can't be changed over time. And so the ledger is secured by the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin network, you can just think of it, it's the largest computer network in the world, or most reliable computer network in the world, has a um, higher uptime than AWS, Google, any of these companies. So, it's a decentralized computer network. You got them running all over the United States, China, Russia, all over the world. And so, because that's,
1: that's the key to it is basically the computing power is creating the blockchain that's storing the record of every Bitcoin. Who owned it? Where it went, and all. So there's 100% transparency on that,
0: and that's what. Allows and that's it, one of its attributes. That's what allows it to be decentralized. There's not a central entity behind it. All it is is a network of computers that are working to verify the ledger, and to do that, they have to have power and electricity. So there's proof of that's the concept proof of work. That comes into that and i mean that's what really secures the bitcoin network is that you have all of these computers around the world that are are working to achieve that
1: and so and that's the and to the point is that is the store of values mantra of there are only going to be 21 million of them and we can see where they all are you can see in where this blockchain and way more detail than we need to get into here but basically it's almost impossible to go back and corrupt the the blockchain because it would take more computing power than's on the planet yeah i mean yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's virtually impossible to do that but yeah i mean you're looking at be- basic economic principles of supply and demand there's limited supply and demand continues to increase over time And, you know, on that point, like, got asked a question the other day. Well, yeah, well, you know, volume of Bitcoin trading is dropping. If you look on the other side, people, percentage of people holding their Bitcoin in cold wallets continues to increase. So people are actually trading Bitcoin less and holding it in cold storage long term. So, um, you know, I think that Bitcoin's really easy to understand when you say, okay, I can own a Bitcoin, even though I can't hold it here in my hand. You know, you got to get through this concept that you're not holding it in your hand, but you physically, tangibly hold a digital asset that can't be copied. The ledger says that you, Chuck Yates, own your Bitcoin. No one can take that from you. Um, uh, and,
1: and, and I can get into my digital wallet
0: by my unique code that only your keys. I know. Yeah, your keys. So yeah. it gives you, for the first time ever, you have the ability to fully control custody of your assets and um, so you you think about that and then think about you know, I, I want to go back to the network real quick because I think that because this lot of is people, where
1: you in, in fairness to you, you you're the first person I've heard this from. And I actually think it's pretty powerful. It only took me about nine and a half months to become a believer of you uh, of you saying this every day. But this is this is interesting about the network and what you think the possibilities are there. Hey everybody, Chuck Yates here. Let's face it: if you're using waves to drive around Houston and rush hour traffic, it just sucks, right? They're always trying to have you turn left onto Westheimer against traffic. Or if you're going out to the suburbs, you'll put in an address you wind up in the middle of a field and you're going, hey, where? what? <laughs> Help. So I can't even imagine trying to use waves out in the oil field. And I can't imagine that because let's face it, I'm a finance guy and I always wore really expensive Yeezy tennis shoes. So I didn't go to the oil field because they might get dirty. I think y'all have probably heard me tell that story the one time I went out into the field and I was looking around my hard hat on and turned to my partner, Mike Hines and go, hey, Mike. Man, it's pretty dirty out here. And he goes, Chuck, please don't tell the company man that or you will get your ass kicked. But anyway, need I digress. So I can't imagine trying to find my way around the oil field just using waves. I'm sure it sucks. Wellsite Site navigator got you covered on this, though. They've mapped 19,000 miles of lease roads out there. They've helped 100,000 hands get to millions of wells in 22 different states. Safe, efficient, effective. So help your team out. Get Well Site Navigator. It's the oldest, most trusted app in the oil field service world. It'll help you get your people get to their site on time. No more wasting time driving around looking for stuff. And oh, by the way, if you ever want to take your private equity guy out there, you sure as hell don't want to be lost. So you'll get cram code.
0: Yeah. So what I think about the network, what I tell everyone about Bitcoin is, Most people take Bitcoin at face value as a speculative asset, right? They say, oh, I'm going to hold this and maybe it'll go up or I'll trade it and it'll go up and it goes down. Um, It is volatile. But the value of Bitcoin is in the network. And so if you look at the Bitcoin network, this decentralized network of computers all across the world, I look at that as the infrastructure for the next evolution of the internet. And so if you go back and look at how the internet was built – You had a series of protocols, right? You had IP, HTTP, you know, IP allowed all of our computers to connect to each other. Okay, we have them connected, but we really can't do a whole lot. So then you had HTT protocols, which were second layer protocols stacked on top of that, that allowed us to build websites, send content, um, and interface with each other on our computers. Think if you look at the Bitcoin protocol as the base protocol, layer one, now you're having applications built on top of that. So like we were just talking about, Bitcoin's not really used as a cryptocurrency. You know, I'm not buying products, bottles of water from people using Bitcoin. It doesn't really work in that in that fashion. But now you have a second layer called the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And the Bitcoin Lightning Network, I can send you, I'll give you an example. I just sent $200 to Jake. I owed him some money for whatever. Sent $200 to him on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And so how that works is... I made a $200 transaction, someone else paid someone else $100, someone else paid someone else $50, and it wraps all of those up into one wrapper, and then it pushes it to the Bitcoin network as one transaction. So with the Bitcoin Lightning Network, I was able to pay Jake $200, instant settlement. He got it the second I clicked the button, cost me $0, I can send it to him anywhere in the world, and that was facilitated by the Bitcoin network. And if I wasn't clear there, I sent them US dollars. It wasn't even Bitcoin. I sent them US dollars using the Bitcoin rails. And so if you start thinking about what all can be done on that, you know, everyone talks about Web3. They talk about decentralized applications. They've gone and they've built numerous blockchains. There's thousands of blockchain projects out there. You know, a lot of people are familiar with Ethereum, for example. But all of these things can be built out on the Bitcoin protocol. The other day i saw a project that came out that allows you to build websites decentralized web applications on the bitcoin protocol and you know there's always a lot of pushback well yeah bitcoin's old technology it's old bitcoin technology there's um faster blockchain applications out there um and the thing is is if you look at how the internet was built the internet wasn't built on the fastest protocols it was built on the ones that were adopted first and adoption really is the name of the game and for that you know bitcoin is the king of blockchain protocols and it's also the only true decentralized application ethereum every other project has a central team behind it bitcoin is the only one that runs um autonom- autonomously um with a de- decentralized network so you know people sometimes they may have a hard time uh conceptualizing that but what i point to is look at AWS, Amazon Web Services, what is your value that you place on that business? It's worth billions of dollars. It powers the internet. I think AWS controls or they host 30% plus of all the activity on the internet. That's how I think about the Bitcoin protocol. It's an infrastructure play and it's the infrastructure to build out the next evolution of the internet and that is enabled by Bitcoin mining. And then Bitcoin mining is enabled by access to cheap. And reliable energy so that's kind of how it cascades down and how getting a molecule out of the ground or you know capturing wind or solar i think that we're going through this paradigm shift where economic value and energy production are becoming so closely tied hand in hand that it's just so different from the way that the world has worked up to this point and i think it's it's extremely revolutionary and extremely cool to think about
1: so Summarizing real quick what you said, in effect, you basically said the Bitcoin network being decentralized, the only true decentralized network out there, in effect, you're going to want to own some Bitcoin of some sort because that's, in effect, your rent to participate in that network. And the utility of being able to run through things ultimately through that network is going to be valuable. And and that's interesting because you and I went and met with a very sophisticated institutional investor, and their question was, I can't figure out how to value a Bitcoin other than just speculation. And and that's the first time, your answer is the first time I've heard something other than, well, it could be a store of value. It's better than gold.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that if, when people ask that, like what can Bitcoin be valued at? And a lot of people they look at the markets, you know, they'll go to Coinbase or CoinMarketCap and, you know, they'll look at volume of Bitcoin and what has Bitcoin price done over time. But if you really look at the amount of hash rate that has come online, and you can Google this, you can Google Bitcoin mining hash rate and you can find all the historical stats of how much hash rate has come online. That's where the value is. The value is how secure is the network. These Bitcoin miners are incentivized by mining Bitcoin, right? so the higher the price of bitcoin goes the more hash rate you're going to get online because people are building out mining infrastructure putting money into it so it just becomes this flywheel of where the network becomes more secure the price goes up because mining difficulty becomes harder one if there's all these miners coming online that means that there's less bitcoin to go around and then you have having events where every four years or so the, the mining difficulty increases and in the amount of Bitcoin halves. So it's really genius system. Whoever created- I mean,
1: Basically, they want to block every 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: And they adjust all the factors to make sure- Whoever that, created the idea of Bitcoin is a fucking genius, to, to say the least. And it's just really mind-boggling to think someone came up with this system. But- as the network continues to grow stronger, the price of Bitcoin will continue to go up and you buying Bitcoin and owning, you know, it, you're financially incentivized with, with the miners, right? And you're essentially buying ownership into the network and you're saying, hey, look, I think Bitcoin is going to be the base layer for the next uh, evolution of the internet. I think that there's gonna be all these second, third layer applications built on top of it. Here's my economic incentive to own a piece of that network it'd just be like, if I got to buy a piece of Amazon web services and then I was financially incentivized to hold on to it as I knew all of these applications were going to be built onto it and there was going to be more demand for AWS. That's how I think about it. And you know, I do think that that plays into it's a store of value. I think it'll go up over time. People ask me, well, what do you think it's going up to? I don't know. I'm not comfortable saying <laughs> what it could go up to because whatever number I say is going to be wrong. Um, but what I do believe is that this is going to be one of the fastest growing industries, Bitcoin mining over the next couple of decades. And I think that the U S is going to be the leader in hash rate, Texas specifically, you look at your, your hot States, like a Texas, Oklahoma, Wyoming, North Dakota, where you have access, uh, to direct energy production.
1: Well, and that's what you and I've been talking about around here, creating our checklist of, if you want to be a miner. And you want to have your computer running the most over the next 10 years. Because like we said, it's designed to put a block up every 10 minutes. And to the extent, you know, a lot of miners flood in, some are going to get kicked offline and not going to be able to mine. I mean, that's just economics, Yeah, I mean,
0: it becomes a game of lowest uh, marginal costs. Exactly. So
1: you and I have come up with the checklist, and every day we're adding to it, deleting to it, subtracting to it. But it's... You know, lowest power cost, regulatory environment, the ability to potentially run off renewables outside the grid, et cetera. And we've kind of got our working list. It's maybe up to 10 or 12 things right now. And that's to your point that you made earlier. When you say, where do all these 10 to 12 things exist? It's out in West Texas. (laughs) And when you look at the great shale map, you know, where's the best acreage? the acreage for bitcoin mining just overlays it almost perfectly and yeah. that's that's why that's why i think having this event in houston texas in the energy capital world is so important because it that's the
0: transformation we're going to see yeah i mean everyone has their bitcoin conferences in miami and don't get me wrong i love miami but <laughs> no one's producing energy in miami right i mean the, the energy production is happening in houston this is the energy capital and that's what makes our event so special and and you have people all over the world flying into it because they're excited that I mean, they we're get getting, to come.
1: We're getting DMs from Prague,
0: Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> tell us about
1: Monahan, Texas, because yeah. we're looking yeah. at headquartering there. Yeah, and we're so, about to
0: have an influx of uh, people going out to, to West Texas. But, yeah, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, like I had someone reach out to me a month and a half, two months ago. And I was like, hey, I've got someone that has access to three cent kilowatt hour electricity in Russia. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I'm like, why would I want to do that? The regulatory risk there seems so so high, and you know, now you look at what's now say two cents, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, I think that you know, regulatory, you know, dealing, you know, talking to those Chinese miners, that's something that's really big to them because like, hey, we had the axe thrown down on us. So what's the regulatory environment? So I had empower. You know, we've brought. And uh ted cruz and uh people from railroad commission and and uh lobbyists because we want to see how are people talking about bitcoin and you know you have ted cruz and governor abbott and all of these people supporting bitcoin and you know you say what you want about texas and texas politicians but they know when there's an opportunity for economic growth and i think that they're getting behind it and supporting it and you know you have big deals that um you know, you and I have been sitting here talking about, you know, mining off of Nat gas or solar or off-grid. And I think that there's a lot of op- applications for off-grid mining, but state of Texas is cutting deals with miners for on-grid applications too. And they have these power purchase agreements that say, Hey, you know, we'll give you access to cheap electricity. But when there's increase in demand, um, you guys gotta, you guys gotta cut off uh, power to the miner so that we can reroute electricity.
1: Because, I, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that a lot of the renewables being built on the Texas grid right now, at least some of the value or some of the compensation for building that's coming from Bitcoin mining.
0: Yeah. I it mean, just
1: is. And so, I mean, it, it ha- it's not a Republican-Democrat issue. It's actually a
0: uniting issue because it's going to lead to more renewables out there. I mean, you look at what's happening with energy right now and the energy crunch that we're in. I mean there's no argument that we need to increase energy production from all facets right whether that's oil and gas wind solar hydro geothermal and unfortunately you know some uh you know let's take a big wind turbine farm out in west texas it may not get built if it doesn't have enough takeaway capacity to get the electricity that it's generating uh transmitted um to the grid and that's a case that happens all the time in west texas you know you might make X gigawatts of power on any given day and you only have, you know, 60% uh takeaway capacity for it. So you just have this wasted energy. Now, if you have uh servers out on your site, you have these ASICs uh servers, now, hey, if there's not takeaway, you can kick on the servers and you can take that energy and mine Bitcoin with it and extract economic value from your asset. And now you have instant settlement on that as well. And then you can send that Bitcoin anywhere around the world and do whatever you you want with it. You can either hold it on the balance sheet, you can stake it, you can sell it, you can do whatever you want. And so I'm actually a big believer that Bitcoin mining will enable the building of renewables because it may greenlight some projects that just didn't make sense beforehand. I think that it'll have a big part in load balancing. You know, ERCOT's had a massive problem with load balancing. And I think that... Bitcoin mining, you know, some of these uh, projects that they're cutting uh, with miners on grid are going to play a big part because, yeah, we'll give you access to wholesale electricity and when we have surplus, but hey, when we have a demand spike, you guys got to kick off so that we can reroute electricity. That's a win-win for everyone. So I think that people are starting to understand that and, you know, understand the mechanics of Bitcoin mining and how it can help. And then also understand that, hey, Bitcoin's a real thing and it's a real asset and to be honest it's just it's ungovernable you know it doesn't hit it's a decentralized network no central entity can't control it and ultimately i think that's really good for humanity so that's why that's why i get passionate about bitcoin and just worlds colliding you know i was passionate about bitcoin before i understood the mining component and the energy component and so now my worlds are colliding where Cryptocurrency and energy production are coming together and you're starting to see a lot of tangible momentum and traction uh, coming into the space. And the Yates family, uh,
1: Bitcoin mining story is Charlie, unbeknownst to mother and me, was Bitcoin mining back, you know, 2011, 2012, right when it comes out, gets eight Bitcoins. Winds up buying a pair of fake Yeezy tennis shoes from China, <laughs> puts on the Yeezys, steps in a puddle, they disintegrate. And
0: uh, what's that? Two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand. They're worth a they're day. The bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. So no. Uh, and that's actually that's actually a good point because yeah. Charlie mined off of a laptop out yeah. of you know out of the house, and used to you used to be able to do that because difficulty was low the network had to start building up, right? There wasn't a lot of competition on the network. And now you look at these ASICs and like the S19s, you know, they're super efficient, you know, 110 terahash per second. And um, the technology that is coming into the space, Intel just announced that they're coming out with their own ASIC line. And so, you know, gone are the days where you can mine off of your laptop and be <laughs> competitive. buy you yeah. some Yeezys. Yeah. yeah, but that shows the evolution of the network and how it continues to grow and strengthen over time. And every blockchain that's
1: added or every block that's added makes it that much harder to corrupt. So, yeah. Yeah, it just becomes no more secure
0: over time. And so, I think that if you start to understand that, hey, the value is in the network, then you can kind of start to reverse engineer and tease out, you know, what is your value on the Bitcoin. So we're going
1: to, so we're going to have to do more on that because that sounds really simple, but it took me like nine and a half months to actually get that and appreciate it. We'll do more, but give me
0: details on the conference. So Um, it's going to be March 30th through 31st at 8th Wonder Brewery in downtown Houston. So we've rented out the entire brewery. Um, and that place is just cool. It's sick. It. I mean, it. It. it is yeah, so cool. I, it's... We went there the other day and did a walk around, not only with our team, but with AV and the tents, because we're getting those big, you know, 400 person tents that they have like a Houston rodeo cook off and just got everyone together. And I was like, man, it hit me. I was like, this is going to be they've cool. got.
1: What 30 foot statues of the Beatles there? <laughs> yeah. They've got old seats from the Astrodome yeah. there. Man, it's it's gonna such have a, cool, a south just by such south. A, south. Yeah, just this such a is cool not, setting. This, this isn't, is not your father's Bitcoin mining. Yeah, this conference. isn't, you know, Nate at
0: yeah. uh, George R. Brown Convention Center. I mean, this is gonna be a good time. Um, uh, live music, just a ton of cool people. I'm so like I'm so excited because we made a slide of companies that people are attending from. There's not another slide like it. It's like you got Phillips, Exxon, and then you got Brains, Slush Pool. And then yeah. You got Foundry, all of these different um, crypto Bitcoin related companies, you know, Unchained Capital. And I was like, this is fucking awesome, you know, bringing these worlds together. And just like you mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, you got Bitcoiners coming from Prague, like, you know, This is going to be a new world to them. You know, they've been to Austin, but they haven't been to Houston where, I mean, this is the highest density city of energy producers. And that's what I think is going to be really special. So, um, kind of getting giddy talking about it, but overall it's going to be a fun time and there's going to be stuff for everyone too. So I've had a lot of oil and gas folks reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, is this something for newbies? And like, absolutely. Like you can come, there's going to be people there that are presenting, that are better at articulating Bitcoin than I am. You know, way smarter than I am. They've thought about this more than I have. So they're going to be doing, you know, Bitcoin 101. If you're a Bitcoin miner, there's going to be things on energy. So there's going to be something for anyone and everyone. And ultimately, you just want to get everyone together and have a good time. It's going to be a big party. I mean, party, we're talking,
1: so. what, 40, 50 speakers all told, at least?
0: Yeah, at least. Different panels. Yeah, different panels. It, I mean, so coming from... Regulatory finance, the mechanics of mining, energy production, you know, energy can be broken down in oil and gas, solar, renewables. I've heard so. rumors
1: that you're actually going to have me teach energy 101 to the Chinese miners and the Prague Czechoslovakian <laughs> miners. And we're
0: going to vlog it too, because I want to see their perfect. reactions yeah, to you. Yeah, they'll, they'll be yeah, of. it's- uh, Who's this
1: weird dude in a hoodie telling me about, about <laughs> energy? But yeah, no, I think that's what's really cool about the agenda that I've seen. And everybody can go to digitalwildcatters.com, pull up, there's a link at the top to empower, see the agenda, the speakers and all,
0: and get registered. Yeah, get registered. Like I said, ultimately, it's going to be a lot of smart, forward-thinking people from all different backgrounds. There's going to be something for everyone and we think that this is going to be a big event for years to come. So we're pretty excited to get it going.
1: Yeah, and uh, everybody listening to the podcast, feel free to reach out to me at nimblefatty at com, and happy to answer any questions because it's it's been really interesting for me just educational is whenever we talk about Bitcoin mining on the podcast, people sending in questions about it. So happy to do it. Colin, thanks for coming in, and
0: uh, tomorrow morning, BDE. Got BDE tomorrow, so appreciate you giving me a uh, chance to talk about this on the podcast. I'm excited about it. Well, you are the boss, so. (laughs)